0: and welcome to the podcast of TechEU. I am your host, Andre Degler. In today's episode, I would like you to listen to an interview with Gerard Gregg, who is the founding chief executive at TechNation, formerly known as TechCity. In this conversation recorded by our editor Robin Wouters, Gerard talks about the UK startup ecosystem in the European context, about the effect of the pandemic on this ecosystem, the wave of climate tech, and so much more. Let's listen together. Hey, hey, this is Robin Walters from
1: TechWU, and I'm joined here remotely, of course, as usual, uh, by Gerard Gregg. He is the founding CEO of Tech Nation, previously called Tech City, uh, described to me as the leading UK tech scale-up accelerator. But I'm sure you could do a much better job describing what Tech Nation
2: is these days, Gerard. Thank you so much for joining the show. Robin, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And yes. Uh, founding chief executive of TechNation. What is TechNation? TechNation is the growth platform for scale-ups uh, in the UK. And through that work, we we pr- we offer a number of growth programs, accelerator programs at different stages of company growth. We also publish a number of insights and reports. We also run a mini uh, university academy where we have over 59,000 students. And we also convene a number of policymakers entrepreneurs investors the various constituents that make up an ecosystem together uh, to help shape policy to ensure that the entrepreneurial ecosystem in the uk is doing as best as it can amongst many other things we also run a the global talent visa route uh, for the uk uh, attracting the best and brightest tech talent from around the world to come to the uk to either set up a business or join a business that's yeah. growing.
1: Great. Well, that's a very nice summary. Uh, We'll dive a little bit deeper into that. Um, Is TechNation actually uh, government-funded, supported? Is it a private initiative? Uh, Great question,
2: uh, Robin, uh, as usual. So it is a not-for-profit and it's an independent organization. It is uh, funded both by the UK government as well as uh, privately funded through the fact that it offers uh, charged or paid-for courses and sponsorship as well. Gotcha. Uh,
1: it was called Tech City before, I guess, because it was more focused on the London ecosystem back in uh, in the day. I think it was over a decade ago when it was started. Why is it called Tech Nation now and, and how is it different from, from the initial iteration?
2: Excellent question. So, yes, 10 years old, you could say it started out as a government initiative inside a government department. Then when I took over in 2014, it was taken out of government, set up as an independent organization, And from that point onwards, it was focused more nationally on accelerating the growth of digital businesses across the UK, and not just focused on a geographical cluster of East London and Shoreditch. So it has really evolved with market needs and and priorities. Really, so it's been fantastic to see something that started in East in East London uh, spread so much across the whole country, and now we're seeing tech hubs with tech unicorns in all parts of the country, such as Manchester, Edinburgh, Bristol, Oxford and Cambridge and many more. So yes, to your question, it has definitely sprung and grown and expanded. And we now are running a pilot in Southeast Asia with people on the ground in Singapore, Australia, Japan and South Korea as well, which is terrific. So we've, you know, we have grown in our ambitions according to market needs.
1: Well, great to hear. Um, you've expanded. You've uh, you've diversified as well. Um, you, you've grown, uh, as you said. And and a lot can, a lot of the same can be said about the UK tech ecosystem uh, on its own. Uh, it's been exploding. Uh, there, there's no other word that I can use to describe it. Um, the amount of funding that goes to to both startups, early stage, and, and scale just keeps on going up. And to the right, to be fair, same situation all over Europe, I would say. But the UK keeps on. Yes. On leading, so they're definitely still still the leader of the pack. Do you even think in in those terms, where essentially you sort of compare to other countries at all? Uh, because if, I, I find that a lot of people do that for for no good reason. Uh, but it's interesting to see the stats in any case.
2: I think look what's good for what's good for the UK is good for Europe. What's good, what's happening in Germany, Sweden, France, is 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 great for Europe. We need to see more technology companies coming out of Europe of course we look at data uh, i think data you know we use all sorts of indicators to give us you know how healthy is the ecosystem and how much of that investment is domestic european international how much is uh, how many deals are being done what's the amount of investment being raised and yes i think once one can cannot help sometimes compare oneself. Uh, I think that's just the, a nature of of any business, perhaps. Uh, I, but I, I always come back to the point, which is it's great to see these numbers going up and to the right, as you said, Robin, yourself.
1: Yeah, um, an incredibly boring and cliche question, but I'm still gonna ask it. Has Brexit in any way affected that growth? Or How do you think like looking back, because it's been a few years since it was voted for, um, has it affected the ecosystem at all,
2: either positive or negatively? So look, you know, that's a political event that happened actually over 5 years ago, believe it or not. So I at the time it was a very demanding time. I think there was a lot of questions asked at the time as to what would th- what would this mean, uh, but I have to say at the time we, and many others, as well as many entrepreneurs running great businesses, just set up to the challenge and and just powered through. And actually, looking at the data, I, I I don't you know to answer your question directly, no, I have not seen anything change in that regard. If anything, numbers have been going up and to the right in a very accelerated fashion. So and obviously, Covid has very much accelerated digital adoption, and obviously, the capital markets have also accelerated the valuations of the companies that we're seeing. So uh, the UK now has now had over 100 unicorns. Uh, In Germany, we've seen, you know, I think over 40 unicorns. In France, over 20 unicorns. So it's been a very positive upward trend, despite Brexit and other political events, you could argue, but I think it's very positive for Europe overall.
1: Yeah. Um, I opened the Technician website uh, in preparation for for this call. Clicked on programs, and it's, it's quite amazing how many there are. Right, um, of course, you know the, the, they are according to stage as well. But there's Founders' Networks, there's Rising Stars, something called Libra, uh, Upscale, Future Fifty. How does one still sort of make sense of all of these, and how do they <laughs> differ?
2: Well, the team and I are very proud of of how many programs we've got running, and obviously they are very timely and actually, as you say, stage based and also sector based. So, just for for your audience, you know, we ha- we obviously have uh, at the very early stage founders um, network. Then we have Rising Stars, which is very much a competition to really uncover companies from all over the UK. There are 11 regions in the UK, and as well as four nations, and we make sure that we are being a, very equitable in our in our search for for great companies and unicorns. And then we have Upscale and Future50, so those are the uh, stage-driven programs. And then we have Cyber, FinTech, Applied AI, and the latest one being Net Zero, and also Libra, which is specifically for Black founders. And again, just making sure that we're building a resilient ecosystem through diversity. So that's the latest one we recently announced but just to come back to your point you know we have stayed away from geography specific programs meaning you know london only or manchester only or edinburgh only because i think that that reinforces certain i guess behaviors i think we you know we are very much focused on building a national ecosystem where we want as many entrepreneurs with a shared ambition regardless of where they come from to learn from themselves. You know, Talent is equally, equally distributed, opportunity is not, and the programs, whether by stage or by sector, is all designed to help you as a founder and as a leader, leadership team to accelerate your growth. And as re, you know, we do see over 100% growth in turnover and, uh, and, um, and, and headcount compared to another company growing at the same rate, when one one company does join our program uh, after two years so we certainly accelerate the growth of companies and yes we are expanding the number of programs as we see as we see fit i think that's you know as market evolves and you know, we are certainly thinking of nuance for next year. So, so watch the space.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll keep watching the website for new, uh, new editions. <laughs> but, but I wanted to zero zero in on, on the one uh, that I actually called net zero. Uh, the one that you mentioned is, is quite a recent one uh, because you're also a founding member, I think of the tech zero task force. Uh, I'll explain a little bit because I got the email, a group of tech leaders on a mission to secure commitments from UK tech companies to measure their emissions and set ambitious net zero targets. Is that, is that correct?
2: That is correct. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What,
1: what more can you tell uh, about that? What's, what's the goal here?
2: Well, I think there's a couple of things. So, yes, we were one of the first organizations to launch a net zero program. So this is a program focused on attracting digital businesses that are working on solutions to decarbonize the atmosphere. And so that ranges from a you know, vertical farming software to you know, climate intelligence platforms using AI and machine learning, and uh, that's because mainly we've seen you know a real increase in VC investment in in net zero technologies. I think there's been fi- in the UK there's been five times more VC investment in the last seven years, and twice as many deals in the last three years. And I think the UK now is I think accounting for eighteen percent of all European investment in 2020. So a number of us came together and we said you know what is it that we can do to accelerate net zero the uk is the country of that's hosting the cop26 conference uh, that is the united nations climate conference that uh, i think meets every 5 years and this will this this year it will be in glasgow in november and we thought you know what is it that we can do to help raise and elevate the point that we all need to play a part in this. And and so we thought it was best to, A, put a pledge together that encourages companies to pledge to net zero by 2030 or earlier, so not 2050, and also to provide a toolkit that, can, that helps companies really sort of navigate through and understand what it means to be net zero because there are different ways, you know, there, there are what's called uh, different scopes of emissions. You know, scope one covering the the emissions that you have directly as a company. Uh, scope two is the emissions that you 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 make indirectly, such as your electricity or energy that you use for your your cooling of buildings or heating of buildings, and then scope three, which is where it really gets tricky. Is where you know all the emissions associated, not with the company itself, but the organisation is indirectly responsible for through its value chain. And so I think we thought the sooner we make people aware of what it really means to be net zero, the better. So, so yes, so uh, Monzo, Wise, All Plants, uh, Bulb. and so this has been led by Bob. We're powering uh, we're powering this initiative through our website. Uh, if you can go to technation.io forward slash net zero, tech uh, zero pledge, uh, you'll find more. But I think this is really important, Robin. I think, I think we, you know, we've been in the tech space for a long time, and I think it's really important given that this is such a nascent industry, so to speak. The sooner you make a nascent industry aware of the externalities that a company has on the environment, and the sooner we can kind of fix this, the better. Rather than doing it later at a later stage when it's almost too late, so that's we've all we've already had uh, over a hundred companies sign up in, in the last few weeks, and we're actually sort of doing extremely well on the run up to COP 26. So we're very excited. So yes, inc- I would encourage as many of your audience as possible to sign up to it.
1: Yeah, likewise, and uh, thanks for the clarification. And I hope also uh, organizations in other countries also follow suit because this is obviously not a UK-specific uh, yes.
2: problem. So. Yeah.
1: Are you making an effort to actually sort of educate or create a blueprint for other organizations in other countries to follow suit?
2: Oh, 100%. So we are a member of, uh, we're an official partner of the UN's Race to Zero initiative. So this is not a UK only thing. We're actually encouraging as many tech businesses based abroad to join the pledge. And as a result of going onto the website, you'll find the resources that you need to understand the space a little bit more because it it is, we are sort of trying to demystify what it means to be net zero, because it is, it is more than you think. I certainly, you know, we, we engaged a company that looked at our numbers and and I was sort of surprised about certain things. Um, obviously there's emissions associated with your, your travel and office, but even when we went remote, it actually went up because we were using a lot more consultants uh, to do some of the work that we would have done in the office, for example, and that's just us as an organization. It does vary by company, but as a result of that, emissions went up, uh, and actually 98% of our emissions are through Scope 3. So we've got work to do on how we reduce our emissions through Scope 3, which is the trickier one, which is you know looking at your procurement uh, policies, um assessing which companies are doing their bit and making sure that you're know, being a lot more curated in your choice and selection of companies to work with, uh, which can get tricky, you know, because I think some companies you've been working with for years. So how do you sort of uh so 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 the toolkit is to sort of help you as an as a company think through how to do this. Yeah,
1: yeah great. Well thanks again for clarifying. Um when I ask you the question, and it's a very broad one, what is next for the UK tech scene? Uh, how would you answer that question?
2: Well, look, I think I think we've seen a lot of success in the last ten years. That's for sure. I think now you're seeing IPOs in the UK on the London Stock Exchange, like Deliveroo, Wise, Pension B, Ocado's, is, you know, as well. And these are really, you know, Ocado's a as a billion, a, a, more than a ten billion dollar business. So we call that a data corn. And so I think, and what's interesting, I guess, Robin, from my side, is that when you look at the types of companies that have come through so far, a lot of them are very much tech-enabled businesses. These are businesses that make full use of technology to, to, to deliver something more conveniently, for example, like an e-commerce business. I think what's interesting about the hundredth unicorn is the fact that it was a company called Trax, um, Tractable which is an AI business, an AI driven businesses that helps with accidents and emergencies. So extremely mission driven, but actually very much a software business from from the core out. And so that's the key difference. So how do we, you know, what conditions do we need to see in order to create more AI-based or machine learning-based and more software-based organizations that can truly scale. And I think to your question, I think universities, which is where we see a large number of startup creation in the AI space, have to step up. And so how do, how do you make campuses and entrepreneurial spaces not mutually exclusive, but very much integ- integrated? So entrepreneurship and academia you know, are very much not mutually exclusive. And we need to make sure conditions are being set on campuses about how you get people who may want to drop out or are working on their PhD to actually find the way easily to start their business or at least scale their business or at least find the minimal viable product through the constituents that you need, like investors, advisors, mentors, coaches, and be able to help funnel that great breakthrough technology into a scalable company, so that's number one. I think number two for the u k, and I know this is going to be in a slightly sort of I know that this not everyone agrees with the fact that the u k has now left the EU, but I think the u k will have to make sure it makes the most of the fact that it has it will hopefully have agile and responsive regulatory frameworks. and so that you know so so and I can see this already in the regulators stepping up and creating sandboxes where companies are able to test their business models whilst also thinking about consumer protection in a very fast and agile manner so that there's no bureaucracy and i think number three i would say you know how much of covid has changed in the way that startups are created most significantly remotely you know what does this what does this mean for uh, place based policy for governments, and what does it mean for people based policies in companies? In the, I think more and more companies are starting remotely. This is a very different trend to what we saw before COVID. So I think I, I think I just gave you three indicators of what we need to do to ensure that we continue seeing we continue to seed fund companies to, that can reach. Uh, to, you know, IPO or, or acquisition or continued growth stage. But, you know, obviously this is, these are just three ideas, but the other one that I would add on top of that is just how do you make it as easy as possible for companies to list on the London Stock Exchange? And that's where the Lord Hill review, you know, the British government is responding to that because that was a fantastic review about how do we make it easier for tech companies that move very quickly, that tend to be founder-led, the ten, you know, or the founding team has quite a large share of the company, can continue do what it needs to do because it believes in itself, but listed on the London Stock Exchange. So there's an evolution that I'm seeing, and there's a real, real strong desire in London and the UK as a whole to make sure that these companies can access capital markets as easily and as conveniently and as frictionless as possible.
1: No. Um, as a follow-up question, and you briefly touched on this uh, already, uh, but the UK does have a lot uh, of things going for it, uh, lots of capital, lots of talent. What are some of the things that you look at from your viewpoint that you think are currently problematic or might become a, a big problem down the line uh, that will hinder the UK tech's further growth uh, that you
2: can pinpoint? I think all things are hinting in the right direction and I think it's a question of finding the right catalyst the right policy frameworks to accelerate it all. Uh, I think to your question I, I would say you know how do we continue building great companies that are environmentally and socially responsible? And recently, you know, we launched a toolkit, a diversity and inclusion toolkit about how to make companies much more self-aware when growing very quickly, about how to create a more equitable company so that it's not just a F, 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 F few people that become very wealthy, but actually as many people become wealthy. And I think that's very, very important. That's, so that's one. Two, I think I think COVID, as I said, has not made it easy for people to think about moving countries, uh, whether it's Europe or the UK, or the I, I beg your pardon, the, the EU or the UK, and so how do governments think about that? How do they think about companies that want to recruit people, but probably being left in their own country of origin? And so how does that work from a tax perspective? I think that's that's an interesting one, I think. Uh, but I think it's a really good challenge because I think the world is becoming truly flat. So, And I think the other one to say is, you know, we've seen so much capital come into the UK and you know, the UK so far in H one of this year has raised almost as much of the whole of last year so far. So that's almost three times what was invested in this first of six the first six months of 2020. So that's that gives you a very significant outline of how fast things are growing. And a lot of that, you know, significant amount of that money, more so since Brexit in 2016, more of that cap that capital is coming from the US or Southeast Asia. So How do you strike a balance between making sure that enough domestic capital is going into the next wave and crop of great companies versus the rest of the world capital so that you can see a a really positive recycling of capital into a local domestic market? And so, you know, that's where I think it's not a challenge per se. I think it's a good problem to have. But how do you make sure it's balanced so that you don't see companies necessarily flipping and suddenly moving their headquarters from the UK to somewhere else because the number of investors is, uh, you know, the majority of investors are based elsewhere. So that's that's a that's a that's a good challenge, I would say, for any any government.
1: Yeah. Uh, Just to build on your second point, which is about attracting and retaining talent in the UK, um, what can you tell uh, our listeners and myself uh, about the Tech Nation Visa, uh, what it is and and also how successful it's been so far?
2: Yeah, so we've seen a third of all applications since we launched it in 2014 come in the last year. So, you know, it's growing year on year. It's been fantastic. And basically it's a route for people who are either uh, extremely talented in technology, either as a business person or a technical person. So it could be a CFO that has taken a company public I- in Singapore or the US or Russia. Uh, so they say it's not just looking at technical skills, but also financial and commercial skills in a very agile environment. Two, it's for five years, which le- then leads to right to residence. Uh, three, it is based on your individual capacity and competence and not attached to the company. So let's say you are joining a company on this visa route and suddenly the company goes bust. It doesn't matter because it's you can still stay in the country. Uh, so it's not sponsored through the company. You can stay here with your family. And that's another point, which is Uh, dependents are very much welcome to come with you and move across and as i said it's for five years and it's it's for founders as well as for people who want to join a company or want to be an investor here and and we've just really been extremely surprised by or pleasantly surprised i would say by the the route itself because uh, it's not only on individuals, but we've also expanded it so that if a company in the in the UK wants to make a, a talent hire through the acquisition of a company that has up to five people, they would be considered under this route as a team rather than as a set of individuals. And that's really important, especially when you're growing really quickly and you want to make an acqui hire. And, and you just want to just make sure that you, you can bring those people across very, very quickly, it, this, this route is perfect for those people. And by the way, is a two-stage process. One is the endorsement, and the other one is the granting of the visa. And it can take almost up to six weeks, but actually the endorsement can normally takes about two to three weeks. And then the granting of the visa depends on your security checks that take place. So you could be done within five weeks, which is really quick.
1: Yeah, yeah. Great. Uh, so just to wrap up the conversation, what more can we expect from Tech Nation, let's say, in the next few months? What is going to be uh, your focus? You mentioned a few uh, new programs that are coming up. Uh, anything else that is going to uh, get most of your attention?
2: Well, I mean, I think, the you know, as an organization, we you know we we will have now worked with over a thousand companies who have collectively raised over thirty billion dollars over the last seven years. So we want to obviously reinforce that community as much as possible. It's probably one of the most valuable tech networks in in Europe right now, and so we want to make sure that we we you know you'll see new programs launched next year for sure. And I can only ex- you know can only expect more IPOs. I think it's a golden era for IPOs, and I I would say that you'll have definitely emerging tech spaces like obviously applied AI, uh, quantum. Um, I think you'll see a lot more in the reg tech space. And I think you'll see a lot more in the impact technology space as well, especially on climate change. So I can only say that you're gonna see a lot more of that and a lot more of those types of companies coming through. Let's hope that we can start talking in a different narrative uh, other than just unicorns, but companies that can touch 10 million, 100, billion, 100 million people's lives in a, socially, in a social way, whatever that might be. Let's find a term for that, Robin. I think your audience will be very good at finding that. But I think, I think just to basically say that you know, unicorn status is one indicator of ecosystem health. And you know, we are very much building a national ecosystem that is, is, is driven by shared ambition, regardless of where you come from or your background right and that's that's the you know, that's why we're combating the visa scheme and the programs and the data and the re- and the reports and the academy all together and competing that and making sure that we're building one of the most resilient tech ecosystems in the world
1: Fantastic. Well, that's a really good, uh, good way to end. Uh, thank you for shining a light on Tech Nation and, and your activities. Uh, Gerard, thanks for your time as well. And uh, best of luck with the rest of the, the journey.
2: Robin, thank you so much for all the work you've been doing over the last, what is it now, almost eight years, right? Uh, yes, it's going from about, strength yeah. to strength. And uh, it's people like you that make a big difference to the ecosystem. So, you know, I can't tell you how much uh, we are fond of reading your reports and listening to your podcast. So keep it going. It's fantastic.
1: Thank you very much uh, for the nice uh, words. And hopefully we'll see each other in person again soon. I hope so. Because that's been way too long. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the show and have a nice rest of the week.
0: You too. Take care. Bye, Robin. And this is it for today's episode. Thanks to Gerard for joining. Thanks to Robin for recording this conversation. And big thanks to you for listening. If you like our show, follow us today wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if that place has a possibility to rate and review the show, please do that as well. Audio engineering for this podcast is done by sound pulse. That is sound pulse.com. Your questions, suggestions, and opinions are very welcome. Please send them to podcast at tech.eu. This was TechEU Podcast. I am Andre Degler and I will talk to you again very soon. For now, take care and enjoy your week. Bye-bye.